Um, we, we're in this series, The Monster Mash. We're mashing monsters. Last week, we mashed the monster of comparison. We're not comparing our life, our marriage, our family, our spiritual walk. We're not comparing that with other people. We're in this same because we have our own race to run. Stay in your lane, right? The only one who can win the race that you're running is you. No one else can win your race. So we talked about that last week. This week, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm excited about this week. This, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is one of my favorites I've preached in a long time. Looking forward to right now. And as we ease into this, let me say something right off the top before we get going. I've been praying a lot over the last couple of weeks in pre- preparation for today. And I've been praying that God would speak to you in a significant way that would impact your heart and impact your life. And I pray that God would speak to a few of you. And, and the reason I say a few is because I'm not naive enough to believe that everybody's going to be rocked by this message and go tweet everything I say this morning. But I do believe that there are some in the house today that God wants to speak directly into your heart and to your life and awaken something inside of you and move something inside of you from a life of comfort, from your comfort zone to a place of faith and impact like you have never known before in your life. I believe that with all my heart. And if this impacts you in such a way, like I said, I've been praying over this message, and I I would love for you to let me know because it would just mean so much to me because I've really been praying, God, do something special in a few people's heart this morning, okay? Do something special in a few people's heart this morning because the monster that I want to talk about today is a monster that we need to smash, and it's a monster called apathy. Apathy. I'm kind of kind of ringing, buzzing, loud pitch sound. Sounds like a cat's trapped under the, yeah, there you go. Monster of apathy. Some have called us. Now, now understand this. I'm not talking about the powerhouse kids or the Grove students. I'm talking about us. I'm 38 years old. Okay, so if you're around that 38-year mark, 40, between 30 and 50, if you're in that generation gap, they label us as the apathetic generation. Okay? They call us the apathetic generation, the generation that really don't care a whole lot, the generation that just don't want to get involved, the generation that says, ah, it's just not worth the effort, the generation that says, nah, we just, we're just not too concerned about it. Okay? And so, and again, I'm talking about my generation. They've labeled us the apathetic generation. And to introduce this message to you, I want to share a portion of a parable that Jesus uses in response to a question from a religious expert of his day. And the religious expert, he did what a lot of people do. He wanted to know, okay, Jesus, what do I need to do to get by, right? Right. What what, what do I need to do to get by? And, And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And this expert, he says, well, the law says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbors yourself. And then the guy did exactly what a lot of people do today. The guy did exactly what we used to do in chemistry class. Well, what exactly do I need to do to pass this class? Right? What do I need to do to pass this class? I want to do the least desired amount to get my desired result. Come on, somebody. I want to do the least possible to get my desired result. 
And I'm going to be honest, I hate that question. I hate that question because that question shows our heart. Check it out. We're in a relationship with Christ, right? right. It's called a marriage, right? right? He's the bridegroom, we're the bride, right. correct? Right. If you were to go to your wife, men and women, if you were to go to your husband, whenever you got married and you stood before him, okay, now that we're married, I need you to let me know what can I get by with, Okay. I, I, I know, I know, I know, I'm, I'm not supposed to lay with another woman, okay? I know I'm not supposed to lay with another man for, for, for all the ladies out there, you know? But, but what, what can I get by with? Because I know I, I don't want to go there, but what can I do? Can I, can I Facebook a girl that I used to have, you know, some feelings for back in high? Can I Facebook a man that I used to, you know? Can, come on, somebody. Yes, yes, that's good. What can I do? And what we're saying is I want to live one yard outside of hell and not have to go in. Woo! This is good stuff. Yes, it is. That's what we're saying. I want to live one yard outside of hell, but I don't want to go in. And I've had so many people in, in my years of ministry, I've been ministering since I was 17 years old, and I've had so many years, okay, pastor, can I do this? Pastor, can I do this? Pastor, can I do this? I'm like, so you're already showing your heart. You're already showing your heart. I don't have to ask my wife, honey, uh, you know, okay, can I have dinner with her? We're just friends, right? My wife would say, are you kidding me? You're a joker, right? Because I'm about to slap that look right off your face. But that's not my heart. I've never once asked my wife that. Why? Because I want to be faithful and loyal to her. I want to show her how much I love her. I want to show how much I care for her. I want to show her how much passion I have for her. I don't have passion for anyone else. I have passion for her. She is my desired result. Right. Let's dismiss and go home. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So the guy says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus says, okay, do likewise. And the guy says, oh, okay, hey, hang on. One more question, Jesus. Who's my neighbor? Do I have to love her? Do I have to love him? You know them, man. They, they really, they talk some smack about me on Facebook, Jesus. Do I, do I, do I have to love them? And those, those people over there, they don't even believe in you. Those people, they serve another God. Do I have to love them? And those people over there, yeah, they've been against me from day one. Do I, do I have to love them? Come on, somebody. Who exactly do I have to love? What do I have to do to pass the class? I'm not worried about getting an A. I just want to pass the class, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Jesus, oh, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Jesus told the parable. He said, there was a man going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was beaten and he was left half dead, bleeding and perhaps dying in a ditch. And Jesus tells a story to speak to this guy who wanted to know who he had to love. In Luke chapter 10, verse 31, it'll be up on the screen, it says this. This is what Jesus said. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. 
Okay? He saw the guy over there dying. He saw the guy over there needing, needing help. And instead of going over and help, the priest just kept looking at his phone, went to the other side and walked on. Right? I mean, no, phones come in handy. Right? You're in Walmart. You see someone coming down the aisle. You do not want to talk to you. You're like, oh, hello, hello. Yeah, come on. You just walk off. You, you know that phone didn't ring. <laughs> What's embarrassing is when they get to you and you're acting like, yeah, hang on. Yeah, yeah, and then your phone rings. And you're like, sorry. <laughs> Mo- moving on, moving on. And Jesus goes on with the parable in verse 32. He says, so a Levite, when he came into the place and saw the injured man, he passed on the other side. What a powerful image of apathy. I see the guy. I see he's hurting. I don't want to get involved. Don't want to get involved. There's too much risk. They, they need me back at the temple. Right? Got to go. I got a busy life. He's in bad shape, but it's just not worth the effort. Now, some, I said, some have called, they've labeled this generation, my generation, the Meh generation, M-E-H, the meh generation, okay? And what I mean by that is, well, how do you feel about things? Meh, okay. Uh, how do you want to get involved? Meh, okay. What are you passionate about? Meh. You get the story? That's what they call us. And you look around, and I know there's, there's people doing great things, but you look around, and as a whole, they're right. As a whole, they're right. Got too much going on. Can't get involved. Why is it so difficult for us to care about what Jesus cares about? Well, I've got three things I'm going to throw at you this morning. Three theories, three ideas that we're going to talk about. Why don't we care the way Jesus called us to care? Now, understand this. In this room, there are a lot of people that do care. I hope everybody cares. But I'm saying as a whole, as a whole, the church, as a whole, we're getting into this meh feeling. You know what I'm saying? We, we got to step up. Number one, why don't I care about the way, why don't I care the way Jesus called us to care? Well, number one, I think the volume of information we're exposed to is overwhelming. The volume of information we're exposed to is overwhelming. What I mean by this is if you're going through your feed at any time, you're going through your Facebook, Instagram, whatever you go through, you will read about an earthquake in Nepal. You'll read about a cat in Iowa that got trapped into a hole. You'll read about a car bombing in Syria. You'll read about your best friend who's doing a GoFundMe account for a 12-year-old that has the need of surgery, and you'll read about someone that saw the face of Jesus in their French toast this morning. <laughs> I mean, I want to talk about Some of you are like, that happened to him too? <laughs> Mine was in my scrambled eggs. Um, <laughs> but there's so many different things. It's difficult to care about what Jesus wants us to care about because we're exposed to tragedy all the time. You turn on the news, I stop watching the news. It's depressing, especially the sports now. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We're exposed to tragedy all the time. 
turn on the news. It's one tragic event after another. It's another earthquake, another tsunami, another tornado, another bombing, another murder, another killing, another suicide, another this, another that. We're exposed with it so much. It's overwhelming. So why don't I care the way Jesus called me to care? Well, number one, the information we're exposed to is overwhelming. Number two, we feel helpless to make a change. We feel helpless to make a change. The truth is many do care about what Jesus cares about. But they seem, they feel like, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. Who am I? I'm just one man. I'm just one woman. I don't have a lot of money. I can't get to that place. What's, what am I going to do? How do I make a difference? Besides, I'm just trying to get my degree. Besides, I'm just trying to pay my bills. I'm just trying to pass the class. I'm trying to get my cat to the vet. I'm trying to, try, trying to succeed in my job. I'm trying to get my two-year-old potty trained. Will you please go to the bathroom by yourself? Come on. I really do care. I just don't think I can make that big of a difference. Why don't we care the way Jesus called us to care? The volume of information is just overwhelming. We don't feel like we can make a difference. But perhaps the most relevant and the most painful thought is number three. We're blessed and cursed with comfort. Do not leave this sanctuary this morning until you hear everything that I'm about to say. If you do, there's a $2,000 fine. (laughs) We are blessed and cursed with comfort. Think about it. We are are so incredibly blessed with comfort. And every now and then, we as Christians, especially in America, we just need to stop and acknowledge that. It is true. It's true. Well, that's not what the book says. That's not what this book I read by this one guy who, you know, he's got a multi, you know. No, it's true. Well, that's not what I heard on TV. It's true. We are blessed and cursed with comfort. And every now and then you just have to embrace that. Virtually everyone listening to this message right now, the vast majority of us, compared to the rest of the world, we are blessed and cursed with comfort. Exactly. Yes. Yes, we are. We're blessed. Come on, think about it. I know not here in Chester, but in most areas, you can push an app and have a pizza delivered to you in 30 minutes or less. You can push an app. I can hop online right now and have anything delivered to my doorstep within 48 hours. Thank you for Amazon Prime. Yep. Right. Right. right? I can go home after church and I can binge watch my favorite TV show on Netflix for 48 hours in a row if I want to. I can watch it until that demon of buffering shows up. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, I'm being persecuted for Jesus. (laughs) Trying to watch The Walking Dead and that buffering just keeps showing up. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to say anything about the show. I'm, I'm talking about the buffering. We think we're persecuted. Yeah. We're like, oh, in the name of Jesus, come out. Right. <laughs> Life's not fair. It's so hard. <laughs> we're blessed and we're cursed with comfort because what's so difficult is, is the more comfortable our lives become, the more life tends to be about us. Right. Comfort is like a drug. 
when we get a little bit, we want another hit more. When we get a little bit more, we want a little bit more. And before long, as Christians, we are trying to leverage God as a God who gets us what we want. Oh, this is good. I want to go to church, but I don't like it when he preaches like this. I want to go to church, but I want to be comfortable. I want to go to church, and I want to walk out and not feel like i got to make changes. I want to go to church. I want a church that offers my needs. I want a church that makes my bank account go up and my headaches go down. Come on, somebody. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to endure. I don't want to do whatever it takes to make me. God, I don't want to go through that. Just help me be comfortable. We are blessed and cursed with comfort. So how do we overcome this this attitude of apathy? How do we overcome this? Well, how do we break out of this mad generation? Let's do something. I'm good. How do we break out of this? Well, what I want to do is I want to give you a big thought, and I want to give you two kind of directing thoughts, and we'll wrap this thing up. How do we overcome apathy? And I'd love for you you can write this down, type it in your notes, whatever you want to do. But I, I want to suggest to you this, that we consistently, that you consistently expose yourself to something that creates a righteous discomfort in your life. Right. You consistent. the key word there is consistently. Consistently expose yourself to something that creates a righteous discomfort in your life. If there is a lack of consistency, there will be a lack of interest. Let me explain that. Consistently expose yourself to something that pushes you. Consistently. For example, every single one of us have been around someone who is going through a hurting time. They're going through a hurting trial. They're going through a hurting season. And we hurt with them. But when we go back to our home, the hurt leaves. When we don't expose ourselves to their hurt, we start walking in our own comfort again. Come on, somebody. And so if we don't consistently expose ourselves, anyone who's ever been to a, to a developing nation, I can tell you this, working at Ena First Assembly, working over there and being on staff, went to Peru many, 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 many times. And you go to a city called Iquitos in Peru. It's on the Amazon River. And when I'd go to Iquitos, uh, Iquitos is one of the most impoverished cities in the world, not just in that nation, but in the world. And it's right there on the Amazon River. And I can tell you the first time as I'm, as I'm taking a boat down the Amazon, I'm looking and I'm seeing people living in houses. that I've seen dog houses that are better than this. I've seen people, I see people living in houses that, 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 that are just made of trash and rubble, things that they have grabbed from, from the dump, things that they have grabbed that other people have discarded. I'm seeing people who they put cages inside of the Amazon River, cages so that the fish and the snakes and things like that can't get in, and they will let their family down in those cages. They will step into those cages. They will take their bath in that cage. They will get their, their cooking water from that cage. They will drink from that cage. They will use the restroom in that cage. They will do everything they've got to do to survive in their life in that cage all at the same time. And I'm voting. I remember my heart breaking. I remember seeing this going, how, how can people live like this? How can people live like this? Man, we're paying two bucks for a bottle of water. 
And over here they have nothing. How can, how can they do this? And they live with constant sickness and constant disease and constant issues and constant uh, medical problems. How, how can we do this? And I remember my heart tearing and my eyes tearing. And when I got home, I said, you know what? I'm never going to be the same because of what I've seen, because of the things I've seen. Things that I've seen poverty in America. I've seen poverty in our cities. I've seen poverty in Oklahoma. But nothing compared to what I saw there. And I thought, when I get home, I'm doing something about it. And then guess what? This pastor, this man of God, this holy man, gets home and starts living back in his comfort. I'm preaching to myself this morning. I'm preaching to all of us. We've got to consistently, constantly expose ourselves to something that pushes you. And I said that, man, from this point forward, I'll never be the same. And yet, I find myself back in the comfort zone again. If you don't constantly expose yourself to that which moves your heart, the moment you get back, what happens? Life happens. It takes back over. The next thing you know, you're trying to pay bills. You're trying to keep your job. You scuffed your new shoes. Oh, my goodness. And you're like, I, man, come on. Let me talk about that righteous discomfort. What do I mean by that? I mean you put yourself around things that move your heart on behalf of God. Some things that you know breaks the heart of God. And you say, God, let it break my heart as well. Let it break me as well. And you sit back and you say, God, I'm not okay with that. And I know my God cares. And I know my God put me on this earth to make a difference. And there's a slogan that we've been saying at the Rock in youth group on Wednesday nights. And the youth that are here this morning, they can tell you, we're not on my watch. Not on my watch. It's just something the Holy Spirit laid upon my heart for this year for us to, not on my watch. Not on our watch. We're not going to let another one go down to suicide. Not on our watch. We're not going to let another one, you know, feel like they're out there all alone. Not on our watch. We're not going to let another student feel like they've got to go through this life all by themselves. Not on our watch. We're not going to let another student think that they're not good enough for Jesus Christ. No, we will expose them to the gospel and we will let them know that he loves them. Not on our watch. And we need to get that mentality in the church as a whole. I'm talking about the church as a whole across America because there are people who are bleeding and there are people who are dying and there are people who are struggling and there are people who are dying every day and they're entering eternal hell. And, and yet the church just sits back in apathy and saying, well, man, no, not on our watch. Not on our watch. Heaven is real and hell is real. And we won't sit back and we won't let this attitude of meh invade the house of God. We will continue to do what we do. We will continue to feed the lost. We will continue to reach out. We will continue to share the gospel. We will continue to drive our buses and our vans across three counties if we got to to bring one more into the kingdom. Not on our watch. Not on our watch. Y'all should be waving hankies and shouting and running this place right now. Not on our watch. Not on our watch. (laughs) Some of you are like, why is he so mad? I'm not mad. I'm passionate. 
I'm passionate. It is time for the church of Jesus Christ to wake up and to rise up. To wake up and to rise up. And we can sit back in our comfort. We can sit back and go, hey, life is good. Yes, it may be good for you, but God didn't call you here just for you. He called you here for others, not on our watch. That's good preaching. Thank you so much. (laughs) No, for real. You're, you're, You're too kind. You're too kind. Too kind. Let me encourage you how to channel that passion, okay, with two big thoughts. And then, then, then we're going to close. The first one is this. You've got to focus on something. Because let's be honest, there's a number of different causes in this world that grabs your attention. But I want you to hear this. I want you to grab this. There are a number of things that can grab your attention. But God will allow a few things to grab your heart. Okay? There's a few things... There's a, there's a bunch of things that grabs your attention. But God will let a few things grab your heart. What grabs your heart? I tell you, we have people who load up in vans and buses every Wednesday night. And they leave straight from work and they come. Why? Because there's kids that have grabbed their heart. We have ladies that show up every Wednesday morning to make cookies for the kids. <laughs> and the youth pastor and, and the kids. Why? Because those kids have grabbed their heart. We got people who come every, every Wednesday to help in the kitchen. Why? Because those kids have grabbed their heart. There's a lot of things that can grab your attention. <laughs> every time you check out at any store now, they're asking, would you like to donate a dollar to this, dollar to that? I used to feel bad. I used to feel guilty. You know, yeah, go ahead. But then God set me free and he said, there's a lot of things that grab your attention, but there's a few things that grab your heart. Focus on what's grabbing your heart. Yes. And that doesn't mean you're mean and that doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you're not generous. It means that you are focused. Right. You're focused. Then when you get passionate, this is just a little side note, don't feel like you've got to start something. If, 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 if something's grabbing your heart, don't feel like you've got to start something. A better plan often is to join someone who's already doing it. Okay, partnering with others is one of the, is an awesome, valuable thing. It's 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 the culture. It's the forefront of strategy that we have as, as a church because we team up with missionaries around the world, and we help resource them financially and in person. Help them take take resources to win the lost. It's part of what we do. You don't have to always start something. Just team up with someone who is already doing it and stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. Amen? This is what Jesus did. I want you to think about this. Why did Jesus come? Again and again, he told us why he came. He said the same thing, but he said it in different ways. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's good leadership. He said the same thing, but he said in different ways. Uh, Why did Jesus come? He came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinner. He came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Why did he come? He came to set the captive free. Over and over again, it was the same thing, but said in different ways. He was incredibly focused. Jesus knew why he was here. He was incredibly focused. His attention was others, 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 and Developing leaders to, to bring others into the kingdom, moving the kingdom forward. Why? Because focused passion attracts and apathy repulses. 
Is that why the church is in decline today across America? Because passion attracts and apathy repulses. He said, I'm here to set them free. And everybody said, we want to help. We want to help. Listen, you can make a little bitty difference in a lot of places or you can get focused and let the Holy Spirit use your passion to make a big difference in a place or two. All right, if you still love me, say amen. Amen. I just need some confirmation there. Immediately. This is what's going to happen when you walk out of the sanctuary. Emmy's going to tell you, you can't make a difference. You don't have those kind of resources. You don't have the name. You're not good enough. You don't have the avenue. You're just just not going to make, listen, apathy makes excuses. Apathy makes excuses. I would really like to ride that horse hard right now, but I'm going to move on. Apathy makes excuses. Passion finds a way. That is good. Apathy attracts, excuse me, passion attracts, apathy repulses. I don't know who this is for, but I feel like someone's grabbing hold of this this morning. Someone's grabbing hold of this. Second thing, we're wrapping up. This is my third closing. We're almost done. I want to encourage you to embrace what hurts. Embrace what hurts. Here's the problem. This is the lie that the church has believed for so long. Well, it's easier just not to care. It's easier not to get involved. It's too risky. If I do something, it may cost us. If I do something, it may not go the right way. It's going to take time, and, you know, time is valuable. Time is a precious commodity. So it's easier just not to do anything and let other people do something. I would submit to you this morning that I would rather hurt with a purpose than exist without one. I would rather hurt with a purpose than exist without one. I would rather cry myself to sleep at night. And I'm telling you, man, because of some of the stories that we've heard, this this happens. This happens. And I would rather continue to live my life crying myself to sleep at night, feeling like, God, are are we making a difference? God, are we really impacting these students? God, they got caught again. God, they're in bed with another person again. God, they're doing the same thing again. God, they're drinking again. God, they're smoking that stuff again. God, there's, come on, somebody. And I would rather hurt with that. I would rather ache with that. I would rather have that burn in me than just wake up and do nothing. I'd rather ache with a calling, with a passion, with something that I care about than sit by and enjoy my life doing nothing. Embrace what hurts. Embrace it. Because if our version of Christianity is all about our comfort, we're following a false God. If I never give sacrificially, if I never serve, and I only allow other people to serve me, if I never pray over something that's moving my heart, And I'm missing one of the greatest blessings in life because so many think blessings is just stuff. I'm here to tell you, sometimes you need to be blessed with a burden. You need to be blessed with a burden. 
Moses was blessed with the burden. It's not right that my people are like this, that they're treated this way. And until at some point, he moved into Pharaoh's court and he said, let my people go. I would rather hurt with a purpose than exist without one. King David was blessed with the burden. He was first a little shepherd boy. What, what can he do? There's a whole army that, that the Israelites are afraid to fight. And David, the little shepherd boy, he walks up and he looks at Goliath and he says, who are you to come against the armies of the living God? He was blessed with the burden. Nehemiah, he's serving a king and he's in the palace and he's broken hearted over, over his home city. The walls that have come down over 800 miles away and instead of staying in his comfort in the king's palace, he got up and he went and he rallied people and he searched for them and he organized them. He said, we got to fight. Got to fight for your sons and fight for your daughters and fight for your families. Why? Because Nehemiah was blessed with the burden and I'm praying this morning that God will bless us with the burden once again for this community, with the burden once again for our kids, with the burden once again for the lost. Bless us with the burden. Jesus walks up over Jerusalem and he's breaking down and he's crying and he's weeping and he cries out to his father. He says, these people are like sheep without a shepherd, God. I'm the good shepherd and I will lay down my life for these guys. He was blessed with the burden. Y'all need to calm down. I have a lot of confidence this morning that God's speaking to a few of you. That God's stirring something in a few of you. And I, I need to warn you that there, there's a passion that's stirring. There's a passion that's stirred in this place. And there's a passion that's stirring. I'm, I'm hearing reports all over northwest Oklahoma of God beginning to stir passion in different, in different churches and different, different people and different ministries. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you something is about to break loose in this place and something's about to break loose in northwest Oklahoma. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of what's going on. I don't want to sit by and in two or three years look back and say, well, well what happened? I want to join in and I want to be part of it. Say, God, thank you for what's happening in our midst. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to close with this prayer. I'm done. I'm done. I wish I wrote this prayer, but I didn't. This prayer, as I was studying, I come across this prayer, and it's called the Franciscan Blessing. The Franciscan Blessing. And I want you to hear the words of this prayer. And I've been praying this prayer over my life for the last couple weeks. Ever since I come across it. And man, it's, it's rocking me. I want you to hear it and I want you to grab hold to this. This prayer goes like this. It says, may God bless you with discomfort. In easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationship. So that you can live deeply within his heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you can work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer with pain, rejection, starvation, and lack so that we might reach out our hand and be comfort to them and turn their joy into pain, turn their sorrow into joy. Turn their pain into joy and turn their sorrow into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference and that we can do 
what other people proclaim we cannot. Yes, yes, yes. And you grab hold of that, say amen. bow your heads with me this morning God I pray you bless us with the burden once again God bless us with the burden once again God bless us with the blessing of being out of our comfort zone God bless us so that we might consistently expose ourselves to something that creates a righteous discomfort so that we will never, ever be the same. When so many believe that it's easier not to get involved, Lord, God, let us say we would rather hurt with purpose than exist without one. And Father, we ask you would stir us. Stir us here in this mist. God, stir, stir the church. May God stir us, stir me, stir me first. Let it begin with me. Moving out of my comfort zone. God, so that I might please you in all that I do. This morning with every head bowed and every eye closed as you're reflecting today. Got a quick question. You're in I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But I want God to spark within me a divine passion to make a difference. I want God to bless me with a burden again. Let me look at the eyes of those kids on Wednesday. Let me see the hurt of my coworker. Let me see the pain of my friends. Let me see the loss that's in my family. God, bless me with a burden again. Give me a divine passion. Stir something in me this morning to make a difference for you. I won't give in to the lies of the enemy. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward with passion. I'm moving forward with purpose. If that's you and that's your prayer, will you slip your hand up right now? Yeah, yeah, hands up all over the place. All over the place. God, do the work in us this morning. Go ahead and stand your feet this morning. Father, I thank you that you're speaking to a few of us today. God, that we're moving out of that place of our comfort. God, I pray that you would give us clarity. Give us passion. God, a passion that would attract others to help them go do something great on this earth that would bring glory and honor to your name, that would make your name known. God, for those who raise their hand this morning, God, we pray that they would just continue to let that stir in their heart and stir in that light in their life. God, let that burden burn on their soul this, 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 this day. God, I, I, I pray that, that through your Holy Spirit, God, that you would spur us on to good works. God, that you would spur us on to spending that time in your word and spending that time with you. God, convict us where we have been self-centered. God, convict us where it's been about us and not about you. 
God, make us others-centered. God, living in such a way that makes your name known. Lord, I pray that you would move us out of our comfort zone this morning. Even in the smallest of ways. God, let us step out. Rather than being addicted to comfort, God, let us be addicted to obedience to you. Doing what you call us to do, to make a difference in this world. God, I thank you for speaking to hearts and lives this morning who will obey a call upon their life. And God's people will come to the kingdom and glory will be yours as we work through your hands, as your hands, and through your feet, as your feet. God, we love you today. Spur us, God. Bless us with that blessing of purpose. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.